What's happening, guys? Welcome to a new episode of Jester Radio. This podcast is sponsored by Nutricon, so you can use the code that I'll put in the description below. I'm not sure how it's going to work now with Black Friday, so if you're looking for the discount code, just go into the description and I'll put that up for you. So today's guest, someone that, you know, even with my boxing experience, I think could beat me up and someone that could, you know, put me on the floor, put me on the canvas, whatever she please. So Indigo Haddington, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for having me. It's only a pleasure. So you... Actually, I think I saw the SA Boxing Talk interview. Obviously, I've followed you on social media. The one night I was literally just watching your videos and I think I just replied. And I was like, this is so cool. Cool. Yes, I remember. So, and I think that's just as I was getting into my boxing journey. So it was nice for me to see, you know, a female doing it because, you know, it's not, it is a male dominated sport. There are tons of girls that do it, but something that's that primal and aggressive and, Obviously, maybe not the training part is aggressive. You do need aggression, but the fighting aspect is aggression. We actually just started talking about you doing a white collar fight, an unofficial white collar fight in Thailand. We'll get into that later. So do you want to give you know, a small introduction into who you are, who you see yourself as, and you know what? Not, not, we'll get into your story, but who do you see yourself as? So like a brief introduction for the audience. Okay, so my name is Indigo Haddington, as Jesse said. Um, Right now I'm in my life where I thought that I was going the medical route. Um, It was like that my whole life and it changed because I realized where my passion lied and it was more with psychology and fitness, but more the aspect of boxing and what boxing had to offer um, in a direct relationship to psychology. So that's where I am right now. Um, My career is just starting. I'm moving to Cape Town to start my career. So I'm really excited for that Um, and to just grow from here so this I'm really happy that I got this opportunity because this opportunity literally landed as I was about to start my career so so the psychology of boxing let's and I think you going into psychology of boxing and sports and health in general is probably because of your past and your history so in that discussion that you had on SA Boxing Talk you spoke about you know the depression that you were in the suicidal tendencies, I believe there was an attempted suicide. Yes. So let's go back to the beginning. You know, what was these experiences and, you know, the situations that led to these feelings for you? So um, I'm one of a twin and growing up as twins, it's very difficult to identify yourself as an individual alone. I mean, growing up as a twin, you use the same clothes, you basically want to study the same thing, you want to do the same thing. And my dad was always working. My mom took off when we were very young. So it wasn't just a sense of loss of relationship um, with my parents, but it was also I couldn't identify myself as an individual because it was always Indigo and Kaylee, not just Indigo and not just Kaylee. And I think as we grew up, we sort of started separating. But in that time, especially during uh, towards the end of primary school, beginning of high school, I had no sense of identity. And that led to depression because, I mean, I was trying to identify as everything else. I was seeking validation in the wrong places. I was finding my worth in the wrong places, whether that was the wrong friend groups, um, materialistic acquisition, that's what I was looking for. And, you know, before you know it, that staircase spirals into depression. And I remember I sat one night in my room and I was like, who am I? What am I doing? And um, I was extremely overweight when I started boxing. Boxing was just sort of like a cardio type thing to lose weight. And in that time, because it was a male-dominated sport, you know, high school boys are not as mature, and I started getting bullied by that, um, not just at school, but on social media as well. There were, I think, if I'm not mistaken, about six accounts created by people in school where I was constantly attacked because I felt so proud that I had found something that I could identify to and as, and that was Indigo that was boxing. And um, it wasn't just a gender thing, it was also a race situation, you know, a mixed race individual, not just a female, but a mixed race female in a male-dominated sport. It was really, really difficult to find my feet. And I thought that I'd found my worth again in boxing, which I, which I did for a few months. And I think it became extremely unhealthy for me because I was training three times a day, eating under 900 calories and um, I didn't just lose a ton of weight I lost myself in that process so the bullying got to an extent where I thought that well there was no purpose for me because I just couldn't find Indigo Haddington um, which led to the suicide attempt I also lost my best friend um, in grade nine so that plus all the bullying just bullying led to a point where I just thought it's not worth it anymore and uh, I didn't seek help. I was too afraid to seek help um, uh, in, in an Indian household. It's just a fact that mental health is not seen as an issue. If 
physically there's nothing wrong with you, you were seen as perfect. So I couldn't talk out about it, I couldn't talk to my parents about it, and um, I didn't I didn't seek help. And I think it got to a point where my mom saw the scars on my legs from physical harm, and she said, okay, this is getting serious, you need help, my stepmom. And um, that's when she took me to go see a doctor, see a psychologist, and I realized that you know, and this is something on social media, you know, it's a thread of we post a really great photo behind a filter or we're showing off our abs and we post this thread. We post this thread of um, you only need yourself and you can achieve all things and it's not true because we don't look at our past. We don't look at trauma. We don't look at our parental situation. And these are things that lead to how we react in relationships when we are adults. And it's something my psychologist told me. And ever since then, I realized that Wait, hold up a minute. Let me find myself first. And um, I went off social media and I just focused on the boxing. I focused on building myself up as a person. And that's what led me to now. And I think along the way, I've had some pretty amazing people um, that stuck by my side and said, you know what? I know that you're going through a really bad phase right now, but I see Indigo for the Indigo that I know. And people that waited months um, you know, my boyfriend as well, he waited months because he knew that, like, that's not you. I, I'm going to wait. I know who you are. And I think having having a circle that knows who you are and just not um, defining you by your depression or a season that you're in is incredible. So that is sort of the background of me. You mentioned a sense of identity, and I think it's difficult, especially growing up, to have a sense of identity. I think there's no one really in primary school that has a true sense of identity yeah. and a, you know, that can intrinsically look into themselves and actually see, okay, well, I'm Jesse and this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I want to be known as. It's mainly, you know, just floating around. You do a sport. Okay, that's your identity. That yeah. sport is your identity. You're great at academics. That being clever is your identity. And it's, I think as humans, you need to kind of just grow and experience things and see okay, me identifying as one thing is not positive. Me identifying as you know, X, Y, Z is not positive. I need to actually want to identify for things for myself. Yeah. It shouldn't be, you know, as a boy, you're all the girls like rugby players. I don't know, you know. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be for anybody else. It should be for yourself. It should be you looking into yourself and saying, okay, well, I love boxing. I love eating healthy. I love helping inspire other girls. I love helping you know, motivate people. And then through that, you find your identity and it's a multifaceted identity. It's not just, yeah. you know, this is me, I'm a rugby player, cool, that's it. Exactly. And as you grow up, everybody suffers from that. There's people, I mean, there's still people today as adults that haven't actually truly found themselves and it's difficult because it's not about the world around you. It's about you. The only way to find yourself is looking inside and seeing, you know, what you really want from your life. Yeah, I think that's that's where the human psyche comes in and my passion to understand and learn because through school, I don't know if there's a school out there, but I mean, from my experience, nobody really teaches you about mental health, how to develop a mindset, you know. Yes, you can go on to Instagram and look at your favorite athlete and that motivation is probably going to last one gym session. Nobody's taught anybody how to maintain longevity of a certain mindset, you know, and I think that is, that is my... I want to say personal issue with Instagram right now and that's why I took a big break from social media because yes fitness goals are up there workouts are out there fixing our abs telling the world how to find motivation but the truth is your goals need to be bigger than how you look you know who do I want to be in the world you know what is my position and place in the world what do I want to get out of my career what's the career I want to build for myself and that is something you have to have an outward perspective of because your career is not just going to fulfill you yes you are a priority but it's going to fulfill the people around you how am I going to change their lives so that one day they can say I found my position in the world not because of you but because of the tools that you gave me to um, how do I say learn and not be in a constant deficit with a mindset because I mean at the end of the day, there's one place that you know that nobody else knows and it's one place you have to stay for the rest of your life and that is in your head. So if you have learned to create unhealthy habits, if you've created this negative space, how do I get out of it? It's not something that happens overnight or in a month. Sometimes it takes years and years to get out of. But I think just initiating that process and having someone that is willing to learn, I think that's the first step. It's just wanting to learn and the second is showing up and I always tell people and they never understand it I said 90% of your success 
comes from just showing up. You show up to the gym. It took a lot for you to get out of bed, get into that car and get to the gym. Now you have to complete your workout. And that is where growth occurs. Growth doesn't occur in the showing up. Growth occurs in that 10%. And um, that is something that I always put on my Instagram. You know, every boxing video I had to learn for myself because I was boxing for Instagram. I wasn't boxing to inspire people. I wasn't boxing for the right reasons. I was boxing for the likes. I was boxing for the recognition. Um, I remember about two years ago, you know, people that I looked up to internationally was looking at my stuff, commenting on my stuff, and then that's where I found validation. And I had to take a step back and, like, you're boxing for the wrong reasons. You need to start boxing for the right reasons. And that's when I started um, doing a lot of research on the human psyche, reading a lot, um, talking to a lot of psychologists. And that's why with every boxing video, I've got some kind of mindset tip because, yes, the boxing video attracts you, but what follows after that? And I think that's where my focus is right now. On social media, it has created you know this false sense of identity for people and this false validation that actually there's not that's not the validation actually i mean me double tapping on a photo is not really actually validating someone else but they feel validated yeah. you know i mean most of the time it's just like okay i'll show support i'll show support i'll show support and then this person they feel like you all these people care about me all these people value me so much when in reality it's not actually like that you yeah. know that's the problem with social media is people feel oh i've gained a thousand followers or oh, I did this or this and that's the, where their self-worth comes from exactly and I mean I I believe almost everybody has felt that in some time of their life you know it's nice to have people follow you it's nice to have this person who you find attractive like your photo and it gives you that validation yeah. but at the end of the day it's not real validation it's I mean it takes no effort on their part to like a photo and I, you mustn't base you know your own success on social media you shouldn't find your identity in social media you shouldn't look and be like okay cool this week i've got 300 more followers i'm better as a person because at the end of the day if you look at people with 300 followers or you look at a celebrity of 10 million followers that celebrity could have way more problems than you that celebrity could have a way worse mindset than you that celebrity could be going through way more turmoil in their life than you but you look at them like look at this money look at the lifestyle living they're happier than me yeah when it's not true it's you have to i mean there's so many quotes where it says you know travel and tell nobody start a new business and tell nobody because it should be for you you shouldn't be doing all these things as you say for social media you shouldn't be doing all these things to receive likes to receive you know any sort of appreciation you should be doing it for the own for your own goals and for your own mindset and for your own ability to grow exactly you yourself why did why was it boxing initially that you got into I think I needed a sense of um, strength. I was mentally and physically, I was extremely weak. I never enjoyed school sport. I played hockey for about three years, but it's not something I enjoyed. Um, and actually, the one day I was at the gym and my coach, that he's been coaching me now for about five years, uh, he just, I don't know what he saw. He just saw potential before I even thought that it existed. And he said, come for a session. And I mean, I put the gloves on for the first time and I could barely hit a bag, but I fell in love with it instantly. And I started showing up every morning at 4.30. And I mean, my class was only at 5, you know, so I would wake up at 3.45, come at 4, uh, 4.30. And the reason I did that, because there was a professional fighter, his name's Jabalani. I would watch him and my coach every single morning. Something as small as that contributed to my love for boxing. And as soon as I started getting the combos, started getting the footwork right, my coach was like, wow, she really has potential. And I still didn't believe it. And he really took me under his wing, and that's what I loved about him. He didn't just nurture my my physical boxing needs, he nurtured my mindset because he said, you can be the greatest boxer, the female boxer in South Africa, but if your mindset is shit, you're not going to go anywhere. And he gave it to me straight, and he said, these are the issues, how are we going to fix them? And I said, I I don't know how we're going to fix them. He's like, the first step is you need to be willing to change. And from that, growing a healthy mindset, and I mean, I'm not perfect yet. I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. There's days where I feel absolutely, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not happy with what I see. And it's an obstacle every day. But I mean, holding that thought for 10 seconds and then realizing that, okay, I'm in my head. Let me get out of my head right now. That is why I fell in love with boxing, because I think boxing is the only sport that doesn't just push you physically. It pushes you mentally, you know. I always use the 60-40 rule. If you are someone that is so used to only giving 60% in your training session and you leave that 40% for somebody else, that is the mindset you are going to apply in 
your relationships, studies, work, work relationships, you're only going to give 60% and you're going to end up being alone. That's what happened to me. I lost all my friendships, all my relationships because I was someone, I'm going to do 60% and then I thought that was my best. But subconsciously I knew there was more, but I left that for somebody else. And my coach said, okay, now I'm going to push you to 80, 90% because it's difficult to give 100% in every session. I mean, life happens, but just pushing yourself more than what you're capable of. And that's that's what Relentless is about. And that's what I created my Instagram around. Relentless means demanding more from yourself than anybody else could ever demand from you, your, your closest relationship. If they demand a certain amount from you, you're going to demand more. And um, it's never been, you know, we see success as just one thing. And that's that's why I don't like the word goal setting because people think I create this goal and then I create this hierarchy and I reach that goal and then I've reached the epitome of success in my life. And it's not like that. Goals should be a ladder of where you see yourself as. And um, as I was saying, boxing is that sport that doesn't just push you 80, 90% physically, it pushes you mentally as well. Um, you know, as you said, the aggressive state, it's something that you have to learn in training, then apply that to sparring, and then you can get your fight with that. And um, I think boxing for me as a woman living in South Africa, because I would have anxiety just driving out of our state. I mean, like stopping at a robot, I would have this flow of anxiety and I couldn't even concentrate when I'm driving on the highway. And I said, I needed something more. And that's what boxing gave me. So boxing didn't just give me the mental strength or the physical strength. It gave me a sense of confidence that if something had to happen to me, I know that I would be able to defend myself. And that is what I want to put out there. Boxing, not just for women, but men as well. You know, yes, it's great self-defense and you're going to be crazy fit. I mean, I think you know what the conditioning is like for boxing. Yeah. Um, but it's also mentally going to push you. And having a coach that sees beyond your physical limitations is incredible. So, yeah. That mindset that he said you need to improve on, what were you lacking or was it that you know not pushing yourself past that 60 percent yeah it was i was always comfortable with what i was doing and he said you need to make adversity a normal in your life obviously you can't be uncomfortable every day you're going to reach burnout if you do that but you know let's say five days out of seven days push yourself into adversity become comfortable with adversity and you know i think um pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is a term that is used often but it's not understood Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone doesn't mean experiencing something uncomfortable and then returning back to right, you know, like where you were, because that's what people think. Pushing outside your comfort zone is experiencing something uncomfortable, experiencing it until it gets comfortable, and then going for the next uncomfort zone. And um, that's something that he pushed me to do, and it's something that you grow with. It's something that um, it's sort of like an innate response. As soon as you experience something uncomfortable, you're like, okay, you know, um, I'm going to get out of my fixed mindset and I'm going to sort of transition into a growth mindset. And this is not a stop sign. This is a bump in the road. This is a hurdle. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to keep going. And sometimes it feels like, I mean, personally, sometimes it felt like I was running into a brick wall over and over and over again. But treating that situation or that challenge as just a hurdle, I'm going to keep running until I get over it is incredible. And that's he took me from um, from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, you know, fixed mindset, the traits are, and this is who I was. Why does this always happen to me? Um, I can never get it right. Uh, you know, I, I felt sorry for myself was a trait of a growth mindset was, okay, this is happening to me. I'm extremely uncomfortable emotionally. I'm extre extremely emotionally, but I know that right now it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unpleasant. And I have to sacrifice a lot to either reach a goal or make it through this certain season in my life. But I know that I'm going to get over it. Um, and that is something that he taught me. Yeah. Uh, most humans, when they experience something uncomfortable, so let's just say like myself, doing a boxing, a white collar fight, I didn't have to do it. There was no need for me to do yeah. it. You know, there were stages where obviously most of the time I was completely uncomfortable. I was completely out of my comfort zone. I was with massive headgear on, getting punched, sparring against people that have had more experience than me. And as humans, most people think, okay, well, I don't enjoy this. Let me stop. Yeah. Whereas maybe it's just... Yes, this is difficult. That's maybe why I think I don't enjoy it. This is completely out of my comfort zone. This is me suffering. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. It's maybe you don't enjoy the suffering and you can push through and you realize, okay, that suffering was worth it. You know, that I think that's a lot a lot of reasons why people give up. They set a goal for themselves and they and they go through so much suffering that they believe that 
you know, they're not enjoying the process. Whereas it's, they're just not enjoying the suffering. Yeah. Because I, I know now, looking back, I don't enjoy fighting, physically fighting someone. Yeah. It's not because I suffered so much that I don't enjoy it. I relished in the suffering. I, I loved the fact that I was pushing myself because no other sport that I've ever tried has made me, you know, have to push as hard as I did for that yeah. fight. There's no other sport that I've ever had to endure and, you know, convince and trick my, almost trick my mind out of old habits into positive, better, you know, more, you know, progressive mindsets in terms of being able to push. Whereas, yeah. you know, as you said previously, it was just, okay, well, that's 60%. I've worked relatively hard. I don't need to work harder. Whereas with boxing, it's it's a hundred percent because I mean you're against an opponent. Yes. If you're not putting a hundred percent, that guy's putting in a hundred percent. You can't allow yourself even one percent less because then you're gonna be beaten. Yeah, you know because the physicality is so much there. So as humans, when something gets tough, you you stop. And as an adult, because obviously we have the choice to stop or not, we might just feel okay. Well, I don't enjoy it that much. Whereas you need to differentiate between I don't enjoy suffering or I don't enjoy what I'm doing. Or you need to just look at it and be like, I enjoy the suffering. I might not enjoy what I'm doing. You see, that was my thing. Was I didn't enjoy having to fight someone, but I enjoyed the suffering. I enjoyed pushing myself past my limits, what I thought my limits were at least, and realizing that I've got, you know, my limits are actually way more than I thought. Yeah. So it kind of needs to be that different differentiation between am I enjoying the suffering? Am I, you know, not enjoying what I'm doing? Or is it I'm I'm hating the suffering? That's why I think I don't enjoy the sport. Yeah. How because obviously, I mean, you suffer every day technically when you train. Yeah. Because that's how you progress through boxing. Has there been times where, you know, you're just like, I'm actually not enjoying this. Let me take a break. Yeah. There was a point um this year because I think my foundation wasn't strong enough for boxing. I was someone that just constantly went at it and I suffered major rotator cuff injuries, low back, my knees as well. You know, with conditioning, there's a lot of sprints, there's a lot of running. And um, that's where I met my current coach, Jeremy. He's under Sheriff Training Systems. Um, and he was someone that gave it to me straight. He's like, if you carry on like this, you're not going to make it past 30. You know, I told him what I was doing. I told him the calories I was on and he was shocked. He's like... You know, put like adjusted the phone and he's like, are you serious? And I said, yes, I'm serious. And he was someone that taught me a more healthy relationship to strength training, including my performance and um, eating well. He was not someone that sort of capped what I was capable of. Um, so there was a part and I, I haven't boxed in a really, really long time. I've been teaching boxing, um, but that's that's something I had to surrender and realize, okay, I'm not in a healthy space right now. Let me get healthy. Let me get strong. And then I, from that foundation, I can build on. Um, and yeah, Jeremy was is still someone that, you know, is a coach. And I think it's so incredible because I, I honestly, like I gave up on coaches. I, I, I've been through a few. Um, and Jeremy was someone that kept me accountable, but I also had to keep him accountable. You know, it was, you know, it was a relationship where uh, you are an athlete. This is what you need to do, but also come to me as a coach, you know, and uh, he he really helped me. I mean, I think I put on my gloves about two months ago, and at that time I was with him for just about half a year, and I could see immense change. So just like surrendering, okay, coach, you do tell me what to do, and I will do it. And I'm someone that enjoys food so much. I'm not someone that restricts myself. You know, obviously there comes a time if you've got a goal, you have to uh, give up certain things. But he's someone that taught me a healthy relationship with training because, as I said, I was like training three times a day, constant injury. So um, I think that's just part of the sport, you know, with boxing as well. Uh, boxing is a high-intensity sport. And sometimes you can become addicted to the rush. That's what happened to me because there's always room for growth. And that's like... I think the number one rule with boxing, you never know everything. There's always room for growth, but you have to discern from the rush and what is healthy. And I think that's where so many parts of your life comes into account, the circle that you're with, you know. You can have a vision, and sometimes for me, like um, with my friend group from a few years ago, they didn't see what I was seeing. You know, you want to share your goals. You want to share it with the people closest to you, and sometimes – they see it as impossible and it's going to be impossible to most people. But if you're someone that wants to go somewhere that someone has never been, it's something you have to let go of and, you know, like realize, okay, I'm going to get there, but let me not turn my back away from exploring the fact that there's no road paved for me. You know, I'm going to give 110% pave that way, not just for myself, but for generations 
after me and that was something that was so so important to me I had to surrender boxing to grow stronger but I also had to surrender a lot of my life and be alone for some time and that solitude became how do I say the source of my inspiration my joy my happiness and honestly from that point was the only point I could start growing letting go from validation letting go from people to come and help me I needed to be alone and I needed to grow from that point and um, it was I think a three-year period and I was so happy with that period um, that I found a coach that was training me in a more healthy way and I was also finding myself as a person and um, as you said finding yourself is a journey but so is reaching your goals and um, building your career you never reach the pinnacle of your career there's always room for growth um, so yeah that is, it was a quote actually I shared on Instagram the other day it's maybe you know growth comes from the journey up here and not the fleeting sense of trying to think exactly what it was so it's maybe growth comes from you know the struggle uphill yeah. rather than the fleeting sense of satisfaction at the top exactly you know the moment you have actually reached whatever goal you thought it was maybe you're satisfied for a day yeah then tomorrow you're like okay well what's next exactly you need to look at it and be like okay well i trained at five this morning every single day this week Three weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, maybe that's something and you're like, okay, cool, I've done that. There's my progress. It's not just constantly looking at the end goal. It's seeing your progress and seeing, you know, your journey and growth throughout and seeing how you've improved and the decisions that you make that are maybe more positive that have led you to the goal. And that's where the growth actually is. It's not just getting to the top. Yeah. You need to reflect on the journey. Obviously, very cliche to the journey not the destination but it literally is you know you have to focus on what you improve on and what you've done better and you have to focus on you know the growth that you've pushed yourself through so speaking of growth and speaking of you know kind of losing that identity of boxing because i know for myself i would I wouldn't. I didn't ever want to be known as a bodybuilder. I always wanted to be known as something else. That's actually why I started this podcast because I didn't want to ever just be known as someone that eats, sleeps, and trains. Yeah. I want to be known as someone that wants to converse with other people, someone that wants to learn from other people, someone that wants to, you know, find inspiration from other people and hopefully help other people find inspiration. And for me, now stopping competing, you know, it was a difficult transition for me because it's I almost had that identity in competing, and I didn't want people. And that's the problem on social media to be like, yo, JC's lost a little bit of muscle. Yeah. JC's maybe not as lean as he was. JC's not this or that. And that's difficult when your your identity is so stuck and rooted in one thing. Exactly. You know, that's why you need to have happiness within yourself so that you get a comment of someone saying, JC, your arms look smaller. That doesn't bother you because you don't find your validation and your own happiness 100%. in those people's comments. Exactly. I think, um, you know, these, uh, and you've probably seen it on Instagram, you know, like you only need yourself to succeed or your haters are your elevators. You know, it's sayings like this that irritate me to the core because it absorbs you as a person from your relational responsibilities. So, you know, as you said, the fact is, People are going to talk whether you're doing bad or good. You know, you don't need your haters to elevate you. You don't need anyone to elevate you for that matter. People are going to talk whether you are doing bad or good. And it's something that happened to me, you know, when I deleted all my personal stuff from my Instagram because I said I want to keep my personal life personal and I want to put my boxing out there and um, my psychology and my future business. That's something I want to put on Instagram. Um, A lot of people were messaging me and WhatsApping me, like, what's going on in your life? What's going on with your relationship? What's going on with the move? And I realized people are not watching for the right reasons. People are looking for something to go wrong. People are, when something goes wrong, or like Indigo messed up there, you know, and um, that's where I honestly believe like external justification will be your ultimate limitation when you're reaching your goals. If you're constantly looking for those comments, those likes, and I mean, that was me, uh, you know, constantly looking for validation. I had to get away from that. And now if I, I get a DM, because till this day, I still get DMs about being a female in a male-dominated sport. You know, I read it and I'm like, okay, cool, that's your opinion. You're going to go on with your life and I'm going to go on with mine. And it's something you really block out and delete. Um, and referring back to to your circle, and I don't just mean friends, you know, relationships, your parents, the household that you live in. Is that a healthy space for you to grow or are you capping your growth, you know? And external justification is going to cap your growth. It's going to cap your success. And um, 
I think structure is so so important, not just with training, but I mean your everyday. Like, what what do what, what do you do when you get up in the morning? Most people flip through the Instagram, check the emails. What is that doing? That is teaching your brain to always be in a state of alertness and reactivity. Whereas if you do something a little bit more productive, like let me put the phone away for an hour after I wake up, let me meditate, let me journal, let me read something that's going to help me. You are teaching your brain to be in a calm state, to learn, to um, want information, to thirst for that information. And, you know, that is so important. I know it's difficult. I mean, for me, my head was so busy when I first learned to meditate in Thailand, actually. I was like looking around. We were actually in like a sort of like a temple and I was looking around and everyone had their eyes closed and they were meditating. I was like, my mind is so busy you know, how do I quiet these thoughts? And um, he was a Thai monk and he came to me and he told me, this is how you quiet your thoughts. And he, like, it was so simple for him. And I'm like, it's not that simple. And he said, where are you from? I said, from South Africa. He says, okay, why are you here? I said, I'm on family holiday, you know, we're on vacation. So he says, you're still on vacation, yet you're still thinking about everything you have to do when you get home. Um, so, you know, from Thailand, just learning how to calm down, how to silence those thoughts and not flipping through Instagram, you know, it's not even reading the news. I mean, COVID's going around, all these scandals. What does that do? It teaches your brain, you know, everything is controlled by your brain chemistry, your neurotransmitters, and that's what people don't realize. Um, Dr. Huberman, he's from America. He's someone that's got a podcast and he speaks about things from diets to fat loss to insulin to testosterone to sex drive everything is connected to brain chemistry and we don't realize that um so it's just all about learning that you've got everything that you need um and how do i say just differentiating structure is so important putting certain things away and giving more attention to other things you know um like boxing you could probably agree it steals not just your happiness but um, preparing for a fight it takes you away from your relationship responsibilities I mean you know it's just you 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 and uh, I think bringing the sport to light and realizing it doesn't have to be like that you know you don't have to be aggressive because I was someone that never, was never aggressive and then I had to learn to be aggressive but when I got to that mindset of being aggressive I couldn't go back I was always aggressive I was extremely rude I was extremely um, you know if someone just said something that ticked me off block delete that was my life like that was my life and I had to look in the mirror like literally physically look in the mirror who have you become and what is this? So um, that's why, again, understanding the human psyche in a direct relationship to boxing is so important for me and it's something I want to bring forward because, I mean, um, a lot of people just speak about women that mentally suffer, but men do as well. And um, I hate the gender divide on Instagram. Um, whatever you identify as, at the end of the day, our physiological needs are the same. We all want to be heard. We all want to be touched. We all want to be loved. We all want a sense of validation. So maybe focusing on that and not so much of what do I identify as or do I need to identify as a certain thing to have my physiological needs met. You know, it's something that's so, so important. And you mentioned, you know, your friends, your family, and sometimes people maybe not supporting your goals, supporting your dreams. And that's difficult because I know when I, when I was set this goal of doing this white collar fight, my mom's like, Jesse, why are you doing that? Like, you're going to get hit, you could hurt yourself, you know, you're going to lose brain, you know, the classic, you're going to lose yeah. brain. So I was like, obviously, if I did boxing for as long as Muhammad Ali, then I can understand her thinking yeah. that. But I mean, for 12 weeks, I'm not going to... I might have lost a few, who knows. But <laughs> but I mean, it's not going to be the same extent to someone, even a professional, even an amateur, you know, because it was 12 weeks of my life. Yeah. And it was difficult for me because, if mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I'm calling you out. <laughs> it was difficult for me because I was going through the toughest training I've ever been through. I was wanting to quit, you know, every second week. And then my mom's still saying, Jesse, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, you need, and she, she's the most supportive woman I know. You know, I'm not saying she's not supportive. It was just because it was something that she maybe couldn't understand why someone would want to do it being, you know, a 55-year-old woman. But at the end of the day, it was me just, and it was actually, it wasn't her saying that, then me saying, okay, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. It was just difficult for me because I was like, I want to quit. Can't you just support me? Yeah. I want to stop. Can't you just support me and be like, Jesse? I and she did get to the stage where it's Jesse. I admire what you're doing, Jesse. I admire the sacrifices that you're giving up, the things that you are, you know, going through in fulfillment of this dream and this goal. I understand that, you know, I don't think you should be doing it, but I understand why you need to do it. Yeah. And you need those people where it's, 
I don't really support, or maybe not support, but I don't really understand why you're doing something, or I don't understand how you think you're going to achieve this. But anyone that has achieved something great has had people around them saying, I don't think you should try, or I don't think that's possible. And that almost should motivate you as well, where it's like, this is possible for me. Just because you aren't comfortable going through what I'm going through doesn't mean that it's not possible. Um, it's unfortunate that you aren't willing to push yourself to these levels, but I am, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Cause you, and then you, obviously you do still have the people that support you and back you all the way and tell you you're going to succeed. And you know, But you do need both. You need, and it's, it's motivating. It's not in terms of them hating on you, that being motivating, but it's motivating seeing, you know, this person's achieved something amazing, but they still aren't willing to do what I'm doing. Yeah. So let me keep on pushing and let me prove to myself that I can do something that other people aren't willing to go through. Exactly. I think um, all of us do this. We create this false sense of reality in our heads, like um, the story of how it should go. I mean, we all do it. I did it a million times over. Um, and when you do that, you have to you have to get out of your head, and it's something that's extremely difficult to do. Um, and so I was in a phase, like literally just now, I was in the same phase of my life where I created this false reality in my head and then I started naming things that were my limits but in reality they were just excuses for me not to show up because I wasn't feeling good I wasn't feeling secure I was feeling insecure and you have to get out of your head and have someone Um, and for me that was my boyfriend he said Indigo like just take a step back those are excuses those are not limits you can get out of that you know you can overcome that but I was in creating this false reality that I can't do it so having both is really good I mean you know there are times where someone from the outside is going to tell you okay right now um, what is important right now okay my health is important okay so boxing is great but if you continue training like that you're going to burn out way faster so let's put that aside and that was what my coach did for me let's put that aside let's focus on this right now and you will get there I'm not telling you you won't get there it's a fantastic goal to have and I see you as someone that's going to reach that but right now right now as you're sitting here you can't tell me that you're going to get there healthily because you're not um and I mean it was the same with my parents you know if I had uh, the, re- the reality I told myself, t- you know, till I finished school, like I wanted to be a medical doctor, I wanted to go into oncology because I had so much of experience in oncology, um, working with incredible doctors, and that's what I fell in love with. But sometimes the things you love and the things you're passionate about is not the same thing. And, you know, I fell in love with the aspect of helping people, not necessarily the medical side of things. So now pushing that purpose in love towards psychology and towards fitness is what really differentiates not just myself but I mean my parents were like this is a huge mistake they told me you're not going to make it I mean when I told them I was moving to Cape Town just over a year ago they were like you're not going to make it and now my dad literally um, sat with me outside two days ago and he was like you've really showed me the side of resilience and relentless that like I never thought the side of you existed and I'm so proud of you and I got so emotional because my dad is never someone that you know is emotional my dad is hardcore he's a businessman um and that hardcore related to my mindset of I can do it and I will not give up and just hearing that it gives you security like okay finally my parents see the vision that I see and you know um we lost a lot of people in our family that passed due to COVID, old age, sickness. Um, my aunt right now is in the hospital and they want to pull her off the ventilator. And, you know, last night I realized I was speaking um, to my grandma and I realized this life is so short, you know. It sounds emotional, but I'm going to get emotional, sorry. <laughs> this life is so short. Are you going to spend your life being comfortable, being surrounded by people that don't support you? You know, because people are afraid of loneliness. Um, people say that divorce is easy and breaking up is easy. That's not the easy part. The easy part is falling in love to to secure you, to not feel lonely. And um, I was telling my grandma yesterday, like, this life is so short. If you are not happy in a relationship, if you are not happy with where you are, look at the facts. Tomorrow is never promised. Do it today. Do it now, you know. And um, that's the main message I want to put out for people. If you love something but there is no purpose or there is not enough purpose in what you are doing, you are going to fail. It's inevitable. So if you have got purpose, that's all you need. You know, you don't need 100K in the bank account to start a good business. You know, all you need is your purpose and you need to show up. And that is a message I want to put out to people because 
people think that you have to go through something so traumatic to have a story and yes that was me but I'm telling you that you don't you know you just have to stop feeling sorry for yourself staying in that position and just willing to go forward um, and that's something I really want to push people on Instagram to do because you know you see someone on Instagram and everything looks great I mean their life looks great their relationship looks great and I'm speaking for myself Meanwhile, behind the scenes, I'm insecure. My relationship is falling apart. There are certain things that I'm not identifying in my life. And ever since I started maybe just taking a step back from social media, sorting these things out, okay, I recognize this pattern. Where does this pattern come from? Past trauma, things that I did wrong, things that I say to myself and you start believing, you know. That's why I believe in affirmations. People think it's so cheesy. But do you know what happens when you actually stand in a mirror every day and say certain things to yourself? You create these neural pathways that were never there before. And what happens to those old habits? They slowly but surely die away. And that's why my faith is so important to me, you know. I'm always posting about God. And um, a lot of people ask me, why are you so Christ-focused? And I said, because... Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but we never went to church. We never really spoke about God. You just sort of conformed as Christian. And I, I had to break away from that religion talk to a more faithful talk, you know, because you're not in control of everything. As much as you want to be, you're not in control of everything. So for me, putting some worship music on in the morning, um, making a list of things that I think I have control over, and then rereading that list 20 minutes later after I'm done being emotional, like I can only control three things on this list of 20 things to do and then I pray give it over and you move on with your life and that creates a healthy mindset that creates a space of okay let me go um from the because what does control cause it causes anxiety anxiety that you can't perform at your best you can't go to sleep and then we turn to um medication we turn to and that's what psychology is it's medicating and I want to go the more holistic way of things you know we prescribe medication or we prescribe people turn to alcohol drugs sex money that's that's the world we live in and um that's something I want to turn away from and it's something that my story can help people achieve um because as I said you meet people on social media and you think their life is great and then you meet them in real life and you're like oh shit you know their life is not as great as they said it was but you'd rather see that in a negative light see it as a space to grow and as an opportunity to help someone well, you mentioned affirmation, and that's something I had to do, from, and I'd never done it before, really. And yeah. I had to do it for myself, you know, with boxing, because of, you know, the physicality of it, the mindset control that you need over it. I, The biggest thing for me about boxing was that headgear. I, I'm relatively claustrophobic, not terrible, yeah. but with that big headgear on, with your heart rate being 170, with getting punched... Uh, the first time I sparred, I freaked out. Like I, I didn't enjoy that headgear, and that was the biggest hurdle for myself that I overcame. That I was honestly most proud of. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't the fact that I lasted the three rounds. It was more the fact that, you know, a week before I could train for a full hour, have my heart rate averaging at one sixty, and not taking the headgear off once. Yeah. For me, that was my biggest, you know, frustration. Was I don't understand why this headgear is just so bad for me. Yeah. Because I, I suffer from bad nosebleeds, it had to be a big one with the nose covered yes, and everything. Yeah. So it, it wasn't just, you know, an open face one. So for me, it, I don't know why. Maybe I know my mom suffers from claustrophobia. So obviously a little bit of that is I suffer from that as well. Yeah. But for me, I, I felt so claustrophobic. I Once during sparring, I literally just took the, the um, headgear off. I threw it on the ground. I'm like, I cannot wear this anymore. I freaked out. Yeah. And, you know, I had to overcome that. It, that was the biggest, the most proudest moment. Like it doesn't seem like much to someone else, but for me and myself, the proudest moment of my life was going through that. And you know, I, I would literally wear it for ten minutes. Once my heart rate spikes, I'm like, I can't, I can't. Like I'd freak out. And being able to do like three, four hour sessions a week, wearing the headgear, not having to take it off once, you know, that for me is the biggest fulfillment and the biggest you know, mind change and accomplishment yeah. and, you know, getting my mindset around it. And that was the affirmation that helped me. It was, you know, I would just take my iPad and just write, headgear does not worry me. Headgear, I I feel safe when I'm hearing, wearing headgear, you know. Yeah. Headgear is my friend. Like stupid things, but that affirmation worked. And I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, Jesse, you're sparring today. Headgear doesn't bother you. Yeah. Headgear is fine. You can handle headgear. And I would say this to myself over and over and over again. And I saw progress from that. I saw myself being able to handle the headgear better. I mean, when I would do, when I did the fight, 
I didn't even like worry about, oh, the headgear's on me. You know, with sparring, it was the moment those rounds are over, I threw the headgear off and I was like, finally, I could breathe. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, after the fight, it was like, okay, cool. The headgear's not, like Rowan, my coach, was like, okay, just let me get this headgear off you. And like, I didn't have that feeling of dread was like an entrapment. I, I overcame, you know, my fear of claustrophobia. Maybe not if I was in like a hole under the ground. I think I yeah, still freak so. out. <laughs> but I overcame that fear that I had of wearing that headgear and I overcame yeah. that through affirmation. Obviously, just pushing through in the physical sessions, in the actual session, but, you know, writing it down, writing. You know, and I, I, Sasha was away at the time and I sent it to her. I'm like, this is what I'm doing to do it. And she's like, that's so interesting. I never thought you would do something like that. Yeah. I never thought, you know, that you needed this kind of assistance because it is help. It's help. Yeah. It's me writing down for myself and it's not for anybody else. It's not being vain, you know, saying I will knock my opponent out or I am the best boxer. But, you know, those things, you like obviously you need to write those things. You need to because it, I know Logan Paul, he looked in, in 2015 when he arrived in Los, Los Angeles, he looked himself in the mirror every, and every single day since then, he said, I will be the best entertainer in the world. Obviously, yeah. he's not there yet, but I mean, look where he's come. He's and that uh, Exactly. Yeah. And that's affirmation. That's constantly looking in the mirror and saying, I'm capable of this, or I believe I'm capable of this, and I'm going to do it. Exactly. Something I had to do with boxing as well, um, because after I stopped just like doing cardio classes, I started doing one-on-one -on -one classes. It really pushes you. Um, um, I remember the first time, well, it was quite a few times actually, I would say, coach, can you please bring the burn into the ring because I'm not going to make it. And I mean, 20 minutes in, I'm puking something I ate from two hours ago, but I'm still pushing through that. And that was a fear I had because it's uncomfortable to vomit. I mean, anybody could say that. And I almost gave up boxing because of that. Um, the first hit I took to my head, uh, my eye was blue. I was in so much pain and I wasn't used to that kind of pain and I almost gave up and also affirmations. So I would take a, a whiteboard marker and write on the mirror because it rubs off and this whole mirror was like full. And my mom was like, please don't tell me that's permanent marker. And I said, no. And she said, can I read this? And I said, go for it. And, you know, it's things like I'm not afraid of vomiting, like something as small as that. I'm not afraid of getting hit. I'm not afraid of failing because something that I was really scared of was failure. I always wanted to be the best. And then I said, okay, what am I going to see failure as? as am, I, am I going to see it as a stop sign or am I going to see it as just a bump in the road? You know, um, the first time I actually fell to the ground from taking a hit, I thought it was over. And then my coach was screaming at me, stand up, stand the fuck up. And I was like, this could not happen to me. And I did, I stood up. And moving from that, you look at your old self, literally, because you grow in that phase and you're like, wow, I can actually get up, I can move forward. And, um, you know, uh, I shaved my head uh, when, I, I think the first time I shaved it when I was in Thailand, um, it was like a little ritual type of thing. And um, ever since that, I kept it shaved. It just, you know, like a little token, you know, like a tattoo. It's sort of the mm. same, like a little token. Um, and I remember uh, my sister actually told me she's going to hate me for <laughs> saying that. She said, you look lesbian. And I'm like, Kaylee, okay, we need to sit and we need to talk. <laughs> and I said, you know, I spoke to her, like I had a genuine conversation. And I said, I'm not even just speaking to you. I'm speaking to like everybody. Why? Why, when you see something, your innate response is to be something negative, you know? When people see men journaling, you know, like, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of boxers that sit before session and they literally journal and then they journal after their session. Women do it as well. And um, there were a few comments thrown at the guys that I went to um, at a gym and people were calling them gay. And I said, why is that your innate response, you know? Why is your innate response to be negative? Why can't you see the growth in what they are doing? You know, people think growth requires, like, huge change like a new relationship moving to a new place but it doesn't growth requires effort you know when you meet someone it's not gonna, it's gonna be perfect I mean you're gonna go through the honeymoon phase and things are gonna feel amazing but what happens four months down the line that real person starts coming out so am I gonna choose to see the failure of having a communicate uh, having communication or the failure of I don't know not doing something right am I gonna see that as the end of a relationship or friendship or whatever and am I gonna give up to that you know and that's something Bokhtin taught me the longevity of carrying on because there is longevity in that you know um, and as I said external justification of people telling you what you're capable of especially in Bokhtin I mean your opponents as well because they know what your strengths are and some strengths you really keep in and you don't even know it's there until you step into a ring and you're like I just did that 
you know. And if you listen to that noise, if you listen to that chatter, that chatter becomes your innate response in your brain. You keep replaying it. Okay, he said I'm not strong enough. He said I'm not weak enough. Something that played in my favor was that I wasn't skinny enough and that I was too short, you know, because boxers are supposed to be skinny. You're supposed to be light. And I'm like, okay, well, my genetic factors doesn't allow me to be skinny. You know, I need to go on into like an extreme deficit and I'm not happy there. I love my food. I love experiencing flavor and um, different cuisine. That's the person I am. I eat to feel myself, not to have an egotistical goal of looking good. And that's not judging bodybuilders or people that want six pack, you know, like I'm not judging them. I'm just saying personally for me, you have to separate between what is an egotistical goal and what is a goal of I'm going to use this to get somewhere in life. Well, mentioning bodybuilders, I think most people get into bodybuilding because they want to be the biggest guy around. Yeah. And that's egotistical. You know, for myself, I want to, Never wanted to be the biggest guy around, but I wanted to have the best body. I want for my 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 biggest goal, and it's also exceptionally egotistical, which was always, I want to have the best body, no matter your preferences, like no matter what you like. I want to have the best body so that universally people will find it nice and yeah. attractive, and you know whatever. And that's egotistical. Yeah, it was always you know having the difficulty of saying, yo, I missed the gym today because I went on a hike. Well, And that's also where I've tried to, you know, progress from. Yeah. It's not, I can't go on that hike because I'm going to lose muscle or I can't, you know, go out to dinner tonight because I'm I, I'm on a super strict diet. Yeah. And that's where I've tried to progress from because you find happiness in being able to do many things. Exactly. You don't find happy. Obviously, you do need to limit yourself in certain things. Yeah. You know, you can still choose a healthy meal when you go out for dinner. You can still, you know, go on the hike for four hours. It doesn't have to be a 10-hour hike if your goal is you know, something else. Yeah. You do, obviously, in everything, if you want to be exceptional, have to sacrifice. But, you know, something that's sacrificial for ego is not positive. Exactly. Because you're not going to find happiness and you're not going to get the validation that you think you're going to get and what you expect yeah. because it's for the ego. And you're going to build it up in your mind thinking, okay, well, when I look the certain way, everyone's going to love my body. When I look, you know, when I, all my abs are out, everyone's going to, you know, think I'm this amazing person. But at the end of the day, you're going to be unhappy because you're obviously starving yourself. Yeah. And, you know, you see these people on social media who have these amazing bodies, you know, it's not like that year round. So, yeah. uh, and if it is, they're pretty unhappy year-round because it's impossible to look that good year-round. Yeah. And that's what people need to understand is, is my goal actually for me? And I started, that's why I stopped competing because that goal wasn't for me anymore. I only, you know, I did a show last year, I think it was last year, for other people, yeah. which isn't right. It's, it's wrong. Exactly. But now it's I'm trying to do things for me. That's why I did the boxing match because I was like, that's for me, but I want to push myself. Yeah. Bodybuilding, it's difficult to diet, but the training is monotonous and boring. I don't like that. Yeah. Let me do boxing. Let me, now next year I'm doing a cycling event, three-day cycling event yeah. with my dad. You know, that's a new goal. That's yeah. not for anyone else. That's for me. Yeah. That's why we, so you, your goals have to be for you. Exactly. They can't be for family, for social media, for anyone else. Yeah. And I think the thing with egotistical goals is, I think you can agree because you've done bodybuilding, it's never good enough. You never look good enough. You're never happy with how you look. And, you know, that's why I love boxing because boxing incorporates this style of hybrid training. You have to go through resistance, strength training, speed training. You know, it's all of these, um, these types of training. But the thing is, you don't have to look a certain way to to do that, you know, obviously, like for your fight, you have to cut weight. Or but look at Tyson weight. Fury, he doesn't look anything decent, yeah, actually. Actually, but, but he's, you know, the best boxer now. That's the thing. And I think confidence is the best asset you could ever own. If you're confident in your body and what you're doing, you will always be happy. And it's something I had to learn. And ever since I started incorporating that mindset, I'm like, cool, if I gain four kgs over December, so what, you know? But there's also times where I want to lose weight, and that's for myself. You know, I want to fit into a certain pair of jeans, or I want to do a photo shoot, or, you know, something like that. And um, you have the autonomy to choose what your goals are, and that's what I want to teach women, because, um, and this is no hate to any online coaches um, on Instagram, but the thing is, if you've done bodybuilding, Fact of the matter is, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but you have gone on some type of either anabolic steroid or extreme cutting aid. And the problem is they use these this perfect body or perfect in a lot of women's eyes. And um, I can't speak for men because I'm not a man, but I've spoken to women and they use this as a point of reference of how they should look. So if I pay $90 for a four-week challenge, I'm going to look like that. And then 
after four, six, eight weeks, you don't look like that. And what happens? You throw the towel and you're like, this is not for me. And then you just return to your old lifestyle. And that's what I want to push forward is a lifestyle. You know, you're never going to look at like me because the fact of the matter is you don't have the same DNA sequence as me. You know, um, you can change it. Epigenetics is a rapidly growing um, aspect in the medical industry. And I love it because, you know, saying, okay, this is what my parents suffered with, this is what I'm going to suffer with. My parents were depressed and had, I don't know, bipolar disorder, like my biological mother, and I thought that was going to be me because I had emotional outbursts. And I said, no, you've just learned unhealthy habits. You can change that. Um, my family, uh, my dad's side, Indian people eat a lot of curry, which has a lot of oil. So most of the people on my dad's side of the family are overweight. And I saw myself as that because I could never lose weight. And then I realized, okay, let me step away from... Um, what I think is generational and what I will struggle with and let me change that. And now my sister and I, my dad actually told us the other day, you guys are like the first in our family for generations that are chasing health fit, you know, health related goals. And I thought that was amazing because Kaylee, um, Kaylee is doing the bodybuilding and I'm doing more performance hybrid boxing. Um, but just hearing that it shows you that you can you can change your genetic, you can change, you know, obviously some things you, you cannot change, but just, um, and that's an excuse that I had as well, um, and just eliminating those excuses, you know, base yourself on facts, do your research, um, and research is so important, um, I mean, especially through COVID, people were like advertising like juices and supplements, and I said to myself, you know, I love the hope, I really do love the hope, but I mean, if you haven't stood in a ward during level five, seen what COVID patients are going through, um, I had the honor of meeting Dr. Taban. Um, he had a, um, uh, like a, a get together, like a meet and greet. And it was so amazing. And just seeing he's the leading um, pulmonologist in South Africa for COVID and seeing, seeing that and realizing COVID is real, but not letting the fear control me. So let me do my research and let me put something that's factual on Instagram because I mean, you know how much a clout and irrelevant nonsense was going around during COVID and that led to resurgence, you know. It was um, resurgent, but it wasn't about vaccinated, unvaccinated, yes, a percentage, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that people thought that I can do whatever and not get infected. And then, you know, then you lose a family member and you take a step back and you're like, yo, this is real. Um, and it's not just with COVID. I think COVID's the most relevant example now, but a lot of things, you know, do your research. And if you want to put something factual on there, put something factual on there and have a point of reference. You know, don't use something materialistic because we use materialistic acquisition as our point of reference, whether that's a body, something that someone said, um, and that's something I really want to push forward, go and do your research, you know. And research is not just Googling and taking the first thing that pops up and putting it on Instagram. It's really going into medical journals, speaking to the relevant, um, whether it's uh, um, physicians or I don't know, you know. Um, so, yeah. Let's move to Cape Town now. Yeah. When do you leave? What's the purpose of going there? So I've been uh, down a few times now already um, to build my bases. Um, but they're officially on the 4th of December. Um, I can't speak too soon until uh, my business uh, is like on uh, built a foundation. Um, but I had a really amazing opportunity there um, with a very well-known person in the fitness industry. And I think I was really blessed to meet him. Um, and also meeting a lot of people in Cape Town um, that referred to my goal because I just didn't see it growing here. What I specifically wanted, I didn't see it growing here. Um, you know, market research is really important. So that is the reason. And just growing as an individual. I mean, um, I've been here for my, my whole life and I've conformed to, you know, what my parents want. And I just didn't see growth here right now. So the opportunities that I had found in Cape Town and um, the move that I was making was primarily for myself, but also for the business that I'm creating. That's amazing. Well, Thank we you. look forward to seeing what that is. Thank and you. we can obviously see on your social media and everything yeah. for the launch of that business. So I want to wish you all the best for that move and for starting that business and get everything up and running. And I know Cape Town, people are willing to spend more money on their health, their mental health, their body. Yeah. You know, obviously people in Joburg do do it. But I think in Cape Town, it's more you know, progressive way of thinking in terms of, you know, it starts with my mind and goes to my body. It's not just my body, yeah. you know. In, in Joburg, I think it's just work on my body, ignore my mind, whereas Cape Town is just that more progressive way of thinking. Yeah. 
And I think it's a really good foundation. You know, it's, uh, it's something I want to grow, not just in Cape Town, but I want to grow through South Africa and hopefully one day internationally. That's where I see it um, going. And, you know, everything, uh, you can agree with me, everything is online. So if we can give people a safe space online to either see a psychologist or whatever it may be, dietitian, trainer, whatever, um, that's something that I want to do at an affordable price because I think people have this um, idea and it's a niche that's been created in their head and I don't blame them because it exists, but that you need to spend a lot of money to to get your mental health in check or your whatever your physical goals are. And obviously me as, a, as an individual needs to make money, but that's not my primary focus right now. My primary focus is creating a foundation for in, every single person. It doesn't matter what race you are, what language you speak, what you identify as, everyone has a space to better themselves. And I want to bring mental health forward because I've been through it. It's a dark road. And I think the biggest thing for me was that I was alone throughout that journey completely. I think if I had someone, it might have gone better. And I want to give that hope for somebody else. Well, that's great. That's great that you're going to support and help and, you know, build up this business that can almost do for other people what you didn't have at that time. Yeah. So, Inigo, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Of course. And thanks, guys, for watching.